Welcome to Studying the Song, a podcast to help musical theater actors figure out what to sing and how to sing it so that you shine in your audition, one-woman show, or leading role. My friends, talent and passion are only the beginning. I believe there is freedom in preparation. I believe that when you put in the work, practice the skills, and do the research, something amazing happens. You become so prepared in your craft that you become unstoppable. In this podcast, I want to give you the tools and skills to create a powerful audition book that showcases your artistry and actually gets you work. I want you to feel totally at home reading the musical score of a show, and I want to help you define your unique artistic voice. Consider me your own personal vocal coach in your earbuds, cheering you on and bringing you the reality checks you need along the way. I'm Corey Yamaoka, and I'm so excited to be walking this journey with you. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to Studying the Song. As I just said in the intro, my name is Corey Yamaoka. I am your host, and this is the podcast that helps musical theater singers figure out what to sing and how to sing it so that you can shine in the audition room or any performance on stage. Today, we're going to be talking about creating introductions for your audition cuts. It's going to be very practical, very applicable, something that you can really take away and use today. And like, why do I want to talk about this? Well, I want to empower singers to be able to make musical decisions without the use of an accompanist. Um, I mean, really, that's the reason for a lot of what I'm talking about on this podcast is I want to like empower you as the performer to be able to interpret the music, to decipher what's on the page and then make your own decisions about how you want to perform it and how you want to present it. So I often see that singers don't have a lot of confidence in their own musicianship. They don't have confidence in their music theory understanding or in their ability to sight read. Um, And so they hand over a lot of the music decisions to a coach or an accompanist. But really, I think you can and should be improving your musicianship and owning it. Like you do have a lot of knowledge and it's not hard to get better at it. So today's podcast is going to be one stepping stone towards moving you in that direction. Um, Yeah, again, it's like the music side of things can feel really mysterious. um, And I want to demystify. I want you to, to feel more confident and to like, you can learn the thought process that I go through when I'm working on, you know, creating an audition cut for something like that's what I want to share with you. And then you can go through that thought process on your own. So, um, we are going to get into that before we do. Uh, I just wanted to share a really fun little story. My podcast guest from last week, Madison May Williams, we had an amazing conversation about folk music, Um, She's a PhD student at UCSD, which is in San Diego, where I live. And um, she just happened to be on Jeopardy this week. And I actually got a text message from a friend of mine who listens to this podcast and was like, I'm in the kitchen, I'm cutting up the vegetables, and I hear the word dramaturg on the TV. And I whipped my head towards the TV, and there was Maddie. So just like an awesome alignment of the stars like so neat that she was on that and that she's like spreading the word about what dramaturgy is and uh, like on national television with Mayim Bialik who is I don't know if she's the permanent new host of Jeopardy I think she's still an interim host but I know her from Blossom way back in the day if you're a Gen Xer or an elder millennial like I am you know Blossom 
or you know her from The Big Bang Theory. That's much more current. Anywho, I just thought that was a really fun story. Maddie is insanely smart, and um, it doesn't surprise me at all that she was on Jeopardy. All right, so let's get into it. We're going to be talking about introductions, and I'm going to give you seven ways that you can create an intro for your song. And these are the seven things that I sort of tick through when I'm working with somebody and figure out like which is the best match for that particular song. Um, six out of the seven are going to straight up use what's already on your sheet music. And I feel like that is important to note because you don't want to have to be creating new musical ideas for an intro because then you're going to have to like write it out on sheet music or you're going to have to get somebody to enter it into Finale or Sibelius and print it out, all that. We want to just use what's already on the page and just find the right little bit to lead into what you're doing. And, you know, 99.99% of the time that totally works. Then I'll have one idea that actually um, does not do that, but is very easy to notate on your page. You guys, I'm just hopping in real quick. I created a PDF of these seven approaches to creating an introduction for your cut so that you can download it, print it out, and either keep it in your audition book or just somewhere in your studio so that you can use it and try these different approaches. Um, you can find that PDF on the resources page at coreyamaoka.com, or you can click the link in the show notes. All right, back to the show. All right, so an introduction. Everybody that does an audition needs to have an introduction for their song, right? Sadly, it's often an afterthought, like you're working on the singing of it, the singing of it, the belting of it, the, the, you know, the meaning and the acting. And then I'm working with somebody, I'm like, so what's your intro? And they're like, oh, can you just play blah, blah, blah? Or what does this part sound like? And, and they haven't really thought about what they want to be their intro. And sometimes they even just let you like play whatever you want on the spot and I'm like, heck no, you need to know what your introduction sounds like ahead of time because you're going to be using that to fuel your moment before, right? Now, you might be thinking, okay, yeah, I get it. We need an introduction. I was just going to use the one on the sheet music. Like there's already an introduction written on the page. Yes, that's true. And sometimes you can straight up just use that and it's fine. But other times the written introduction might not serve your audition cut. And here are a few reasons why. A, that intro that's written might be too long for an audition situation. Ideally, you want something about one to two bars in length, possibly up to four bars if you're in cut time and it's moving pretty quickly. But a lot of introductions can be like four to eight bars long and like, mm, we don't need that much music for you, right? You want to be singing during your audition. You don't want to be waiting to start singing. B, the written intro might not set up the part of the song that you are going to start singing at. So you might be starting at a chorus or a bridge and the written introduction actually is setting up the verse. Um, and that will happen with like the chords that it's doing, right? The chord, the chords that it's doing, the chord progression of the introduction might lead you into the melody of the verse rather than the chorus or the bridge or the pre-chorus or whatever other section you're starting at. Um, in Tin Pan Alley songs, the intro actually is set up, um, sets you up to sing what they call a verse, but now what we call the introduction where it's like color voce and like you kind of ebb and flow with your tempo and you're sort of setting up what really is the juice of the song, which is the refrain. So, um, I'm thinking of anything goes right. 
the beginning of the quote unquote verse, that's the label for Tim Pan Alley songs, is times have changed, right? And then she goes on about all that. And then the refrain is really the part we often sing, which is in olden days, a glimpse of talking was, et cetera, et cetera. So the verse, I mean, sorry, the written introduction sets up that verse, times have changed, and that's not going to set you up to sing anything goes, or what did I just say? Um, In olden days. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Are you staying with me? I hope so, because I'm barely staying with me. So if you want to start on that refrain, you need to pick some other introduction. Um, You may also be starting later in the song after a key change. So the written introduction is in the first key, and that does not help you at all to set up you singing in a different key. And you do not want to ask the accompanist to transpose it into that new key on the spot. Like that's not okay. Never ask the accompanist to cite transpose. Um, People can do it, but you're not going to get a reliable performance every single time. Um, Other reasons why that written intro might not serve you. Um, The written intro could set up a very intimate moment, like the beginning of the song starts small and then grows and gets bigger. And maybe you're actually coming in later on towards that emotional high point. So even if the chords are correct, the vibe and the mood of the intro just might not be right. So you want to pick something that's going to set you up um, into that emotional beginning point. Another reason why the written intro might not work is if there is no intro. I'm telling you, this happens more than you think. I have a copy of My Funny Valentine and there's no introduction. So that may not be the the version of My Funny Valentine that you have, but it sort of depends on where you're getting your sheet music. A lot of us are doing it um, online and you just print it out. But like I've got loads of different folios of books and I pull sheet music out of there and it just kind of depends on which publisher version you have, um, what what you're going to have. I mean, that's why they're all in different keys and they have different accompaniments sometimes. Um, so mine doesn't have an intro. There's another song, um, Stone Cold by Demi Lovato. I just printed off the sheet music for that a little while ago, and that doesn't have an intro either. She just starts singing Stone Cold, Stone Cold, right? So again, it happens more than you think. If there's no intro, you need to find something in your sheet music that you can use that, again, will set you up with the right emotional beginning moment. Um, There are other reasons why the written intro won't won't work. I can't go into all of them right now, but I'm sure you have been in one of these many positions where you're like, that's not working for me. What do I do next? And instead of just like looking at the pianist and being like, help me make something that works, like you want to be able to do that yourself. Will you need to check it with a pianist? Yes, of course. You always want to, you know, if you're doing cuts, cutting stuff on your own, you want to run it with a pianist to make sure everything goes smoothly. Yes. But you should be able to start some of that work on your own, in my opinion. All right. So let's first establish, before I give you these seven um, different ways that you can create an intro, why do we have an intro? What is the purpose of an introduction in an audition setting? So one of the main purposes, I think, is to set the mood of the piece that's about to follow. So that might be, it might share that this is going to be a dramatic piece. It could be comedic. 
um, you know, you might be celebrating something or maybe you're grieving or maybe there's like an anxious driving energy or maybe you're floating on air. Any number of emotional sort of states of being you want to set up in that one or two bars of the introduction, okay? Um, Again, it depends on what part of the song you're jumping in at. So if you're starting at an emotionally intimate uh, place, then you want an intro that's going to be a little bit softer. Maybe you're even starting with something that you're singing out of time where the pianist just has to follow you. So you don't want something that's going to be like super rhythmic, and then you suddenly start doing something call a voce, right? Or ad lib, as we call it. Um, if you're at the point where you're like really busting out and trying to finally say that thing that you've been trying to get the courage to say, then you want an intro that's going to be sort of more driving and set you up for that, right? Instead of the intro that's setting up the call a voce beginning. Okay, you guys get it. By setting the mood, you are allowing yourself that music for your moment before. And I've talked about the moment before a lot in in previous episodes, but I'll just say it again, that you've got to be already in the emotional place of the moment that happens right before you sing. You need to be at that elevated, I'm busting out, I'm ready to tell you this new thing. Or you need to be in that depth, in that intimacy, and then the music begins, you're already there and you're living in it. And then you start singing and we're just right there with you. Okay. So it all needs to tie together. The intro and your moment before are like a little marriage that are supporting each other. So now let's talk about some technical things that the introduction is doing, what the purpose of your intro is. Number one, you're, you're, um, and I touched on this just now, but the intro sets the tempo of your song. So if you're coming in with something that's really and then you join in, like you start your rock tune or whatever it is, like that totally sets the groove of what you're going to be doing for that song, right? Um, if you're doing something that's more ad lib, night and day, right? You might come in ad lib. I just came up with that out of nowhere. Um, The other thing technically that your intro is doing is it's setting the key of your song. So important that your introduction allows you to hear the tonality, whether it's a major key or a minor key of your song. I've had a lot of people tell me, just play my starting pitch. Friends, that is not going to help you. You don't want your starting pitch. What you want is a chord or or a pitch, like a bell tone, which we'll get there, that will help orient your ears towards what the key of the song is. Because so many times I've had people start singing and they're, they're totally in a different key. And what they're singing might sound good on its own, but it's not fitting with what the music is doing. So you need the introduction to set that key and to set you up for what your particular starting pitch is, right? You want the chord progression to lead into, naturally lead into the part you're about to sing. So oftentimes at the beginning of a song, 
we want to have a chord progression that that drives us to what we call the one chord or the whatever chord is based on the first note of the scale. So if we're in C major, you want a chord progression that leads you to C major. And I'm actually going to show you how that works. So the most common chord that leads us to our one chord or our, our C in this case is the five chord. So C, D, E, F, G, it would be a G chord. Okay. And I won't get totally into the music technicality of it, but it has to do with the fact that there's a leading tone, the B natural that leads up to C and then the five, the, which is our G note also has a strong tendency leading to C and that chord, the G chord, G, B, and D, all three of those notes are, are wanting to lean back to C. So let me give you a little example here. All right. So here is the G note. And when we add the chord on top of it, and then when we make it a dominant seven, we definitely want it to go to, yeah? So again, here's the G chord, a G seven. And here it is another way. very common in classical music. You hear that kind of an ending because it feels very ultimate. So when you have a chord progression leading you at the beginning of the song, you're going to use that chord. Oftentimes we get it set up with a two, five, one chord progression. Sounds like this. Or it might sound like this. You could also have a four, five, one. That would be a little bit more rock oriented. Any number of ways you can voice that. But all this to say that you need to have your introduction set up the key that you're going to be in and specifically the notes that you are going to start singing on. Okay, so now with all of that in mind as sort of the compass that's guiding us towards selecting the best option, let's get into the seven ways you can create an intro, okay? The first way is use the actual introduction. That's totally fine. If your introduction leads you into the part of the song you're starting at, which would be maybe the beginning, or maybe you're starting at a later verse, but you're still using that intro because it sets you up mood-wise and key and tempo, that's fine. If it's a little bit long, maybe you use just a segment of it. Maybe you use the last couple bars of the intro and then you're off to the races. Um, this, like I said, it works when you're starting with the, the music, the melody that directly would follow the intro as written. So that could be the first verse of your song, or it could be a later verse because you're starting later in the song, but it's the same chords, it's the same melody. So all of that works out, right? Okay, so one example would be Really Don't Care by Demi Lovato. The intro does this. You wanna play, you wanna stay, etc. That's the first verse. But you could come in on the next verse. I can't believe I ever stayed up writing song about you, right? You could come in halfway through the verse because there's two verses in a row. And then you could use that, the second half of the verse goes right into the pre-chorus. You could do that. In any case, that introduction sets up the tempo and it sets up the, um, the key that you're singing in really easily. 
So by all means, like use the written introduction if that serves you and it does what you need it to do. However, it's not always going to do that, right? So here is way number two that you can create an introduction. You're going to start two bars before your vocal. So wherever you're coming in in the song, just back up one or two bars and see what that sounds like. In all likelihood, those two bars are going to feature a chord progression that sets you up well because those are the actual chords that are setting up the part you're coming in. Sometimes you might find like that chord progression actually starts like four bars before and that might feel too long. Okay, so that would be a reason why you might not choose this. If you're in cut time, it totally makes sense that it's four bars before because they're going to move pretty quickly. So you just have to look at the specific example that you have for your song. Um, one song I'm thinking of where this applies really easily is I'm Alive from Next to Normal. Um, a lot of people will come in at I'm alive, I'm right behind you, that section. And the the bar right before just goes bum, 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 bum. That's it in the piano. It's just like four four driving eighth notes. Bump 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 bump. I'm alive, and that's not even a full bar, right? It's in the same bar that you're entering in, but I think it's enough to get the idea. It has a lot of energy. There's forward motion. We're starting somewhere big, so starting a couple bars before. That's our second way. I know a lot of you already know that. Some of these are going to be review, um, but we will keep getting into more complex ones. All right. So number three. Oh, hang on. Actually, I need to say, sometimes you're going to start at a key change, okay? And starting two bars before your key change may not be the best choice. Those two bars, sometimes they provide chords that transition you into the key change really nicely. But if you're starting your audition on music that already sounds like a transition, it can feel really strange, right? You're like the first chords in the original key and then you're doing this progression and now you're in a new key. Doesn't have the same dramatic impact that you feel when you hear the whole song. So beware at your key change moments. Other times a key change is sudden and there is no chord progression that leads into it at all. You have to anticipate it in your ear. So in that case, definitely don't use the two bars before because that won't make sense. Um, and if you are in a situation where you really feel those two bars before your key change work, one other thing to watch out for is if there is, um, sometimes those moments will have like really quick ascending scales in like the right hand of the piano. Usually uh, if you're hearing the full orchestration, that would be like, a violin or a whole string section or woodwinds doing that. Um, it sounds effective when you're listening to the, you know, the cast recordings, but it's not always going to get landed perfectly by a live accompanist. So beware if you see any of those quick 16th notes um, in an ascending scale right before your key change. I would say most of the time your key change is going to want a different type of introduction. Okay, so that's that two bars before your vocal. Way number three that you can create an intro is by using a bell tone. Many of you are familiar with this, I'm sure. You use a single high-pitched note played on the piano. So the, the pianist plays that note, and then you come in really whenever you're ready. You will need to write this note in, um, and this is important because the bell tone, it's the same idea I was talking about before, where the five chord leads to one and it really sets up what that 
key sounds like. For a bell tone, you want the five of the key. So if you're in the key of C, you want to walk up five notes, C, D, E, F, G. You want a G bell tone, okay? You don't want the bell tone to be your starting pitch. That does not work. It does not set up the key. It could be any note in the whole world. And this is one of the instances where I most often hear singers start in the wrong key. And then what happens is they're like, wait, can you play the first little bit of the melody? And then you have to play some of the melody and then they know where they are. So that's kind of cheating, right? Like you don't want that to be your audition where like play a little bit of this song for me and then, and you're already out there on the X. So bell tones, fine to use. Make sure it's the five of the key. Um, One example I'm thinking of that's actually written into the song is in popular. So you get this pitch. Whenever I see someone. So that is a G. And then your starting pitch is actually C. When, right? So you're using the fifth to set up what the tonality, what the tone is, what the tone, what the key is. And then you come in because you know where your melody sits within that key. Okay. You can also use bell tones though for lots of different um, scenarios. They work really well for comedic songs. It's like bing and then you're in. It's short, it's snappy um, character songs. It can signify like a light bulb moment or an idea, a new thought. Really useful for that. Downsides of bell tones are that it doesn't establish your tempo. So if you get the ding, Usually you have to come in right at tempo um, into your song with a nice, good prep breath. So important if you're using a bell tone to have a prep breath. That's when the pianist can see when you're about to start. And then they just have to watch you like a hawk while you're singing uh, the first couple bars so that they can really line up with you. If you feel like you can set it up really nicely and do that, go for it. If you're really worried that the accompanist isn't going to be able to follow you, then then you might not want to use a bell tone. But I would say like almost 100% of accompanists are familiar with bell tones and can watch you and come in correctly. Okay, like it's what we do for a living. Yeah. Other downsides of using the bell tone is that it does not set up a romantic or a dramatic song, right? You do not want to have that ding and then start off with something that is like voce that's ad lib and and slow. Um, You don't want to have the ding and then come in with as long as he needs. It doesn't make sense. Like those don't live in the same world. So use the bell tone to set up comedic, up-tempo, character, patter, fun songs, and not dramatic or intense or um, uh, romantic kinds of songs. All right. So let's go on to way number four that you can create an introduction This one is sort of like a bell tone. What you're going to do is sustain the first chord of the accompaniment. So instead of just a single note, you're going to get a long held out chord. So here's what it could sound like. And then you would come in at your own tempo. Again, people or whenever you're ready and you would have to either establish tempo Or you could do something where you're out of tempo and the accompanist is watching you and maybe they're like playing half notes along with you, something like that. Maybe you have a a song that begins that way and then it, it ramps up and gets more energetic. The sustained chord 
usually it's the one chord. So if you're in the key of C, it is the C chord. Or if you're in the key of E minor, it is the E minor chord. And they hold it. And so you really have your own amount of time that you want. You have to like instantly be in that moment before. That is a challenge of it, but that's what your job is. So this works well for ballads. Um, like I said, songs that you want to start color voce. You can also come in right in tempo though. And you just, you know, the pianist is going to have to watch you. That's fine. Anytime that you want the pianist to really watch you, do you guys draw in like the little eyeglasses above that? That I think comes from the world of like orchestra and band where you're supposed to watch the conductor like really closely for that moment. That's something you can start doing. It's like write in your bell tone or your first chord note that you want them to play and then a little pair of glasses above the sheet music or above that measure. And then they'll know like, oh, I'm definitely watching you. Like they get that anyway, but everything that you can have on that page that reinforces it because they're playing for like 50 people in a day makes it easier for them. So one example of this that, that it's kind of the way the song actually starts, but I just feel like it could be used in any situation, but the song out here on my own. So again, it's just, it's a C chord. Sometimes I feel like ba, ba, da, ba. I don't even know if there's the right words, but that's what it sounds like it should be. And you just come in and you can wait for as long as you want. You could also do it with, um, let's say you were doing like Hit Me Baby One More Time. Oops, I did it again. If you want to start like all dramatic, I don't know if that would ever be the right choice. It could be. Um, so you could use that. That was just an E minor chord and it is the first chord of the song. Um, so you could use that. All right. Way number five, idea number five for creating an intro is to play the first bar of the accompaniment of when you're singing and use it as a vamp. So a vamp is just a repeat until the vocal starts um, you just put in like a little, you know, a repeat sign at the beginning of that measure, repeat sign at the end of the measure. Could be two measures if that if that is how the song is set up. Um, and then the pianist just plays it and you come in when you're ready. Usually you let maybe one or two times go by and then you're in. So one example, if we go back to anything goes, I was telling you that the beginning, the intro sets up times have changed, right? It does not set up in olden days, eclipse. So you want something that's going to set up in olden days, right? And that sheet music just has a little boom chick in the piano. Let me play that for you. So you could just have the accompanist play that and you come in when you're ready. And then you're into the song. Sorry, I was away from the mic a little bit because my piano's farther away from me. I can't be on the mic and at the piano at the same time. I need to change that setup if I'm going to keep doing this. Anywho, so use the first measure, repeat it a few times, and then you're in. And it's bouncy and it's fun and or, you know, whatever the mood is of the song that you're playing. It could be something more driving. It could be something really... Um, you know, syncopated, that could be fun. It could be just a bass line, like. Um... That's the beginning of Roxy from Chicago. So experiment with that idea that you're using just the first bar of what you're already about to play, okay? Or what you're already about to sing. 
So that is way number five. Way number six, idea number six for you is to use the first ending of your song. Okay. So the first end, usually we sing the second ending because that's the ending that sounds like it's more endy right? Technical term there. So it has the chord progression that goes, you know, that ends on the one and has like a button built into it, something like that, right? And we skip the first ending. And the reason why we skip it when we're singing a song is because the first ending has what's called a turnaround. The chord progression turns you back around to go back to the beginning of the refrain. Now that's a perfectly great idea as an introduction when you want to start at the refrain. So you, that is another way you can use sheet music that is art. You can use the music that's notated already on your sheet music. You would probably have to copy it and then actually cut it out and paste it before where you want to start singing. Don't make somebody play that two bars and then flip a page turn back. That would be horrendous, but it's perfectly good musical material that sets you up chord wise perfectly, right? That's the whole point of it. Um, let me find a couple of examples for that for you. Okay. So here's an example. It's, uh, the song is it's all right with me by Cole Porter. And the first ending sounds like this. And then you come in, it's the wrong time. It's the wrong place, et cetera, et cetera. It's such a cute little intro. Listen to that again. It's the wrong time. Like it works so perfectly. It's really short and really concise. Sometimes you'll have to back up a little bit farther than this, the first ending, maybe two bars before so that it's like a four bar total. Sometimes that works out better. It just depends on, on your specific song, but I love the turnaround idea. And that might be something that you haven't heard before and that you should try out. The very last idea here is to use the last four bars of any A section. So if you're going to start on an A, hang on, let me back up. I've talked about previously on the podcast, the idea of song form, and it's very common, especially in Tim Pan Alley and golden age music, but it even happens in, um, in, you know, Jason Robert Brown, cause this is like a standard song form to have A, A, B, A, right? You sing two A's in a row, then you do something different for the B section, right? You sing something that's contrasting and then you do A again. And so when you're choosing a cut, oftentimes we start at the B section and then go to A and we take that second ending and we're done. That's a nice 32 bars. Um, You could also do an A into a B and have that be it, right? So the last four bars of an A could lead you into A or it could lead you into B. So how does that actually work? Let's take a look at the song, Another Opening, Another Show. All right, so you guys know the song, another opening, another show, right? Okay, so the the intro as written, first of all, let me say the intro as written totally could work. Here's what it sounds like. And then you're in, right? But you could also use the end of the A section. And here's what those four bars sound like. I'm using four bars because this is in cut time. Another opening. Okay, so you could lead right back into A. Uh, Maybe you're choosing the second A. And then if you're going to start at the B section, that is indeed the exact music that is right before the B section. Um, There's one alternate chord to set up the B section. Here's what it sounds like. Uh, 
So you get like a strong, um, it's an E7 chord. It's actually serving as the five chord into the B section because the B section goes into minor. Okay. So again, we're still using that five one relationship as leading tone. So you can use the last four bars of the verse either to lead back into the verse or go into the B section. That's something I use not a ton, uh, but sometimes when everything else doesn't work, I'm like, what am I, what could I possibly use? And then I look at those last four bars. I'm like, ah, I'll just use those last four bars. It works perfectly. It takes me right back to where I want to begin. So that's it. Seven different ways you can create an introduction for your audition cut. There is no one right way. As I just illustrated in another opening, like you could use the intro as written, or you could use the last four of the A, or you could even use a bell tone for that example. Um, and that would work. So it's really about like, what do you want the mood to be? What kind of music do you want to hear? And what sets you up for that moment before in the best way? Don't forget, you also want to try to make it easy on an accompanist. So while an accompanist could play probably anything you put down in front of them, you want it to be as simple as possible just so that it's really well played for you so that it's landed every single time, right? And if you have a lot of scales or if you have a lot of accidentals in the intro passage, you know, it's just going to be an obstacle to the best version of your audition that you can give. So try a different option. That's what I would say. That's really what I have for you today. I hope that this was like super practical and really something that you can apply in your, in your music for yourself, or if you're teaching and you need some ways to sort of guide your students before they work with their vocal coach, before they work with their accompanist, you can be like, try these three options. And then you send them in there a little bit well-armed, right? A little bit better prepared to communicate with their accompanist. And I think communicating with accompanists is like a whole nother episode I could do. Again, it feels like this mysterious thing where like the singer doesn't feel qualified to be able to talk in musical terms. And I just feel like it's such a disservice. I want singers to, to claim their identity as musicians. You can use that terminology. You can figure this out. It's no great mystery, right? So I hope that these seven ideas for intros help you feel a little bit more confident when you're communicating with your music director or the accompanist in the audition room. Alrighty, that's it for today. Do make sure that you go to the resource page on koryamaoka.com. Get the free PDF about today's episode, seven ways to create an introduction for your audition cut. You can download it, print it out, and then use it at your leisure to create intros that work for every single audition that you're doing. And I just want to say, thank you guys for listening. I know you have a million ways that you could spend your time. And the fact that you're here listening to this means the world to me. If you find that this show is something you enjoy listening to, if you could think of somebody else that might also enjoy it, go ahead and share it with them. Take a screenshot or send them the, um, the link for it. Um, you could share it on Instagram, whatever you like, but let's spread the word. Like I want to help empower singers. And this is sort of like vocal coaching through a podcast is how I like to think of it. Um, you can also sign up for my email list. You guys, this last week, Instagram and Facebook 
went down, right? And what's up, but I don't use that one. So it didn't bother me. But I was like, I can't communicate with all my people on Facebook and Instagram because it's down right now. But you know who I could communicate with? Everybody on my email list. So if you want to make sure that you're getting the latest updates for like classes and offerings, coachings, new episodes, make sure you sign up on the email list. You can go to coreyamaoka.com. That's it. That's the website, coreyamaoka.com. All righty. Until next time, you guys, I hope you are well. I hope you're staying healthy and enjoying this change of season into fall. Um, I wish you all the best. I will see you next time right here on Studying the Song.